All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Talking Redbird Baseball Podcast. My name is Lucas Fampel. I am your host. We are officially on the ninth episode of the 2023 baseball season. I have been gone for a couple weeks in Alaska, so I was kind of, you know, I obviously took a break. I I think I said at the end of my episode last week, I was going to take notes on all the games while I was gone, things like that, to talk about it when I got back, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So it is July 27th. I'm recording on a Thursday the trade deadline is really the big topic of discussion. It happens in four days. I discussed it a lot last week, how the Cardinals are sellers for the first time, you know, in my kind of adult lifetime. So as disappointing as the season has been for everyone, it's still, you know, it has a little bit of excitement into the season this far because we have so many players that are going to be traded. Disclaimer, I want to say before I get into it, that, I don't know what it was about the cruise or the air conditioning in our hotel that we stayed at, but my allergies have been kicking my ass since I got home. So I sound a little stuffy. If I take random pauses throughout this episode, it's because I'm about to sneeze or I need to blow my nose or something. And I obviously don't want to do that while I'm being recorded. So <laughs> I apologize about that, but just wanted to get that out of the way. So again, the trade deadline is the big thing to discuss. That's what most of this episode is going to be about. I'm going to talk about players that are hot, things like that. But it's it's a difficult situation to be in as a Cardinals fan because normally right now I'd be talking about the playoffs coming up, right? And I'd be talking about um, how many games back we are, how many games up we are, or things like that. You know, never, you know, even when the Cardinals necessarily didn't make the playoffs in 2016, 17, 18, though, that three-year span, we were still in it up until September, right? We We didn't make the playoffs by a game or two. So this we're in kind of uncharted territory. It, it's a uh, it's a little bit disappointing. Again, we have the trade deadline to kind of focus on. We have 2024 to focus on. But you know, now I feel bad for all these. You know, I never did, but now I kind of feel bad for all those teams that you know, like the Pirates or the Oakland Athletics or you know the Reds or the Orioles or whoever the Astros even from a decade ago that went through these 10 year long rebuilds. And you know, maybe now they're all good, but um, even having one one year as a as a Cardinal fan that we're, we're kind of down and out. It's, it's difficult. So um, we're definitely blessed as Cardinal fans, but it doesn't make it any easier. But like I said, at least we have the trade deadline to look forward to, because we have numerous players that will probably be traded. Um, and I'm going to talk about that um, the rest of the episode. So let's go ahead and get into it. So again, it's the 27th today. The trade deadline is four days away. It's on August 1st. So t- sorry, technically five days. So um, long story short, it's been kind of a quiet deadline. The Cardinals haven't done a whole lot so far. We have tra- there's been one trade. It's been kind of minor. We did we designated for assignment Henesis Cabrera, the lefty out of the bullpen. You know, you look back at our playoff run in 2019. He was fairly good. He was a he was our setup man. Things like that. He he was he was really good his rookie year, and even in 2020, he had some meaningful playoff innings for us. And and then he just has never really been the same. And his his command's not there. His this year, he's been very vocal about he's not happy with his role, things like that. And so um, Zaylock and Marmol pretty much came out and said that he he just needed to change the scenery, a.k.a. we don't want you on the team anymore. You're clearly not happy. We're not happy with your, your results. Let's see what we can do. So they designate him for assignment. And that essentially gives him a week to try to find a trade partner. If not, he can elect free agency after that. Um, it was a little bit of a puzzling move to designate him for assignment before finding a trade because that immediately tells other teams okay, well, we don't need to give as much because he's not worth as much and they're going to let him walk for nothing in free agency anyway. So 
Um, we were still able to get something out of it, but I think if the Cardinals would have just traded him to begin with rather than designate him for assignment and then trade him a day later, we maybe could have got something a little more. But honestly, I'm not super disappointed with the return that they got. They got a 19-year-old catcher from the Blue Jays. Um, rocket of an arm, you know, a very raw prospect straight out of Cuba. Um, again, he could amount to nothing, but he, you know, those raw prospects could, you know, also turn into something pretty big. So for Genesis Cabrera, he wasn't contributing much. He was going to leave anyway. Let's take a flyer on a 19-year-old catching prospect with a rocket arm. He's he's kind of toolsy, obviously has some things he needs to work on. I'm totally fine with that. Cardinals came out looking good in that trade. The only, the only other transactions that we've really made have been kind of low level. We've had Jake Walsh, who's been a, you know, a triple-A reliever. He's come up here and there. Same thing with Cody Whitley. Um, we've released both of them. They've been, they've left. They've signed two, you know, 30 something year old relievers. One was Ryan Tapera. Um, funny story about Ryan Tapera. He was a, he was a Cubs reliever a couple years ago and <laughs> Rick Hummel, who may he rest in peace. He was the post-dispatch writer for, for years and years and years for the Cardinals. He accidentally voted for Ryan Tapera for the MVP vote a couple years ago. So whatever they were voting for MVP, I think it was 2021, maybe I think it was two seasons ago. You know, you had your typical candidates, Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, all these big guys in the National League, Bryce Harper, things like that. And then all of a sudden there was a one random vote for Ryan Tapera. And it was kind of like puzzling all these writers in ESPN are like Ryan Tapera, MVP candidate, things like that. It was kind of a joke. Ended up being a Cardinals writer on accident. Um, Anyway, just kind of a funny story about him. We signed him. Um, he came in for one game, uh, pitched fine, and then we released him two days later. They've kind of done that with a couple other guys. I think they're just trying to fill innings because, you know, Genesis Cabrera got traded. Two AAA relievers got traded. We still have plenty of depth, but, you know, I think they're just trying to find these guys that other teams are, are releasing or maybe putting on waivers and just trying to fill gaps, fill innings the rest of the year the rest of the year doesn't necessarily mean as much. You're, you're essentially trying out for 2024. That's what the rest of the season is really going to be like trying to, I mean, there is a small less than 5% chance that we can make the playoffs. So maybe we catch it, you know, I'm not going to give up on it too soon, but most of this year is going to be dedicated towards 2024, seeing what we got at AAA, you know, letting guys give, you know, have a chance that maybe they wouldn't in a typical year where we're trying to make the playoffs things like that. You know, in a year where you're trying to make the playoffs, you want your best of the best playing at all times. If you're, if you're out in August and the rest of the year doesn't really matter, that's two solid months that you can kind of give guys a chance that you normally wouldn't do that. So this year can still be beneficial. It'll tell us a lot, but you know, mostly all eyes are on 2024. So yeah. So yeah, other than that trade deadline has been kind of quiet so far, knock on wood. Again, the next five days are the days that most of the trades are going to happen with, you know, most of them happening July 31st and August 1st, as close to the deadline as you can. That's just typically how these things go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over the players that are more likely to be traded. I'm going to go over the headlines and the articles that have come out in the last couple of days or maybe the last couple of weeks since the last podcast episode that I came out with. We'll go over it, things like that. So I'm going to go over the ones that are for sure probably going to be traded, and that is Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, Chris Stratton, Paul DeYoung. Mazalock even came out and said, those four guys, we are looking to trade. He's he's being very vocal about it, and it all makes sense. Montgomery, Flaherty, Chris Stratton, they're all going to be free agents at the end of the year. Paul DeYoung has a club option for next year, which means the St. Louis Cardinal front office gets to decide if they want to pick him up for next year or not. It's for about 12 to $13 million. 
There is no way in hell they're going to pick that up. That's going to be declined in literally a blink of an eye. That's way too much money. Paul DeYoung has been fine this year. He probably above what most people thought he was going to be this year, including myself. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll wear that. Um, but he's not 12 to $13 million uh, worth of anything. So they're going to definitely try to trade him for that. But if for some reason he pops off the last two months of the season, then, you know, he does have technically one more year of control, which could be somewhat valuable for a team that's looking for a shortstop, but it all depends. Those four players definitely going to be traded. I'll be super shocked if any of those four players are Cardinals on, you know, August 1st. August 1st is the deadline. So let's say August 2nd. Now there has been a report of Jack Flaherty and the Cardinals talking about an extension. I don't see it. That was immediate. I think his name is John Denton. He's a Cardinals writer for MLB.com. He is uh, not very reliable, but he, you know, MLB.com, he is the Cardinals writer. So you have to kind of trust some of the stuff he says. That report was out for about an hour. And then Derek Gould about an hour later, who's, who's the main guy for the Cardinals media him and katie Wu, who are both uh you know st louis cardinals beat writers Derek gould for the post dispatch the main newspaper in st louis katie Wu is a writer for the athletic those two are the probably most reliable if i don't really trust anything that comes out regarding the cardinals unless one of those two tweet about it they have the most sources in the clubhouse and an hour after that report came out Derek gould rebuffed it and said there's absolutely no truth to this the cardinals and flaherty have tried to come up with an extension multiple different times before the season and nothing ever came to fruition. Um, he He's probably going to be traded. So, so, you know, don't really believe that report if you see it. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is the reports of Jordan Hicks and Tyler O'Neill. If you were rewind to my last episode, I talked about those two guys getting traded. You know, though they were on the same tier as the four guys I just listed. It was those six players that I thought were going to be traded for sure. And those two players don't look like they're going anywhere. And you know what? I don't really hate either, either one. We're going to talk about them both. So the first one is Jordan Hicks. Now, I'm going to talk about this here in a couple minutes. The return that we could get for Jordan Hicks is is a lot, a ton. He would almost immediately become the best reliever available on the market. And rental relievers are very valuable for relief, for uh, contending teams competing for a World Series. I'm going to go through a couple examples of what the Braves and the Angels had to give up for two relievers and a starter that they just acquired yesterday. I'll talk about that at the end, though. So Jordan Hicks, we could get a haul for him if we wanted to. But the Cardinals have talked about wanting to sign him into an extension, which, again, I don't hate that. Jordan Hicks is only 27. He's a very young free agent because we called him up at 21. So he's still, you know, most players hit free agency at 29, 30, 31, something like that. And again, the Cardinals have said they want to contend as soon as next year. This year is obviously not what we wanted, but we're not in a position where we have to sell the entire team and look five, six years into the future like most rebuilding teams do. We can look immediately at next year. And so trading away Jordan Hicks, I think, is a little silly. He's shown that he can be dominant this year. I would like to see it consistently the last two months of the season. And I think that's what they are going to kind of focus on. And not to pat myself on the back, but I kind of called this. Two episodes ago, I talked about how I don't necessarily see them trading Jordan Hicks. I see them signing an extension with Jordan Hicks to bet on himself, you know, see if he can stay consistent and see if he can stay this dominant for another couple months or maybe even another year because he would demand so much more money in free agency if he shows that he can do this for much longer. Jordan Hicks is one of the streakiest players that the Cardinals have had in recent memory. He has the highest highs, you know, 102 mile an hour sinkers, 90 mile an hour sliders, filthy stuff. 
but he also has huge valleys where he's really struggles and walks the world and, you know, things like that. And as Cardinal fans, we've seen both sides of it. Now the last month and a half to two months, he's been super solid. So I think an extension for Jordan Hicks makes a lot of sense because he's young. If he was 30, 31, I don't think he'd be worried about an extension. But the fact that he's only 27 means that he can sign a two-year deal through the seasons of 2024, 2025, let's say two-year, $15, $16 million, somewhere in that range, maybe even a little higher depending on what the market is for him. He still becomes a free agent at age 29, which is on the younger side. And if again, if he shows that he can be consistent for the next two seasons, he would demand a haul and he would be one of the best relievers, you know, in the game. So I don't hate it. Again, I think we could get a lot for him. But if we're already looking at next year to contend, a trio of Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Hicks, and Ryan Helsley, all at their best, would be very, very lethal. And it would give our bullpen a really good kind of starting out point for next year. And then you worry about filling the bullpen around them after that but it's a really good nucleus at the back end of the bullpen that you can kind of build off of and the next player is tyler o'neill now i was heavily in favor of tyler o'neill being traded i've said that since the beginning of this year even in you know i made a couple episodes in the preseason in march that i talked about him being a trade candidate and then when that issue happened in april with him not hustling down the line and that made national media and all that stuff i thought for sure he was going to be traded well now it seems the tables have turned a little bit i'm 50 50 on it I don't think his return or what we would get for him would be that much because he's just shown that he's not been able to be on the field. But Ali Marmol, John Mazalak, they came out two, three days ago once he came off of the injured list and they said, we believe in him. We're giving him another shot. He's shown that he can be a dynamic five-tool player when he's healthy. He's shown that two, two seasons ago. He just shows that he you know, has to stay healthy. Plus, I think that's kind of smoke and mirrors for saying – we don't think it's necessary to trade him right now because we don't think we would even get anything back for him that would be that substantial. So we are going to maybe bench Dylan Carlson and try to trade Dylan Carlson instead, which, yeah, Dylan Carlson is one of my favorite players. Don't get me wrong. I love the way he does things, draws walks, hits the ball the other way, plays fantastic defense. He's a prototypical Cardinals player. He was one of our best prospects for for years, you know, three, two, three years ago. And I, and I wish he could have turned out to be even more. I think the Cardinals are at fault for that, for not really giving him much run. You know, he's been a starter off and on, but he's never really gotten consistent like, hey, you're our center fielder. Whether you do good or bad, you're going out there every single day. He's never really had that. He's just played He's played left, center, right, you know, wherever they've needed him to. I feel like they've always prioritized other outfielders, and then Dylan Carlson has just kind of filled the gaps. And, you know, it's hard to get something going when when – you're always in that position. And I think an organization backing you and, you know, saying you're our guy does a lot for a guy. And he just has never really had that. So another thing with Dylan Carlson too, trading him instead of Tyler O'Neill does a couple things. One, he has three more seasons of control, which is going to automatically give us a much better return because he's going to be cheaper than Tyler O'Neill. And he reaches free agency two seasons after. Tyler O'Neill does. So he's just automatically going to be a little bit more valuable than Tyler O'Neill. Two, he plays a more pyramid position. He plays center field. Tyler O'Neill can play center, but his main position is left. Center field is always going to be a little bit more impactful for a team than playing a corner outfield. And he's younger. He's 24. Tyler O'Neill's 27. So, you know, all those things are working in the Cardinals' favor. I think the outfield depth that we have is tremendous. You have right now, you have Jordan Walker in left. You have, I'm sorry, you have Tyler O'Neill on left. 
You have Newt Barr in center field. You have Jordan Walker in right. You have Yepes, Burleson, who can both play corner outfield. You have Tommy Edmond, who's been an elite center fielder this year and can play there if needed. Brendan Donovan could play a gold glove left gold glove left field if needed. So, and that's not even counting our first round draft pick this year was a left fielder. Victor Scott the third. He's a prospect that I'm going to talk about at the end of the season when I do my recap of my prospect list that I did at the beginning of the season. He's someone that I didn't even talk about in my prospect episode, but he's skyrocketing up prospect boards. He's already in double A. He leads the entire minor leagues in stolen bases. It's not even August yet, and he already has 50. Um He's incredible. He's in double A already. He's an outfielder. So I think even without Dylan Carlson, our outfield depth is is there that you can afford to trade him. And if the goal is pitching, 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 which is what Mosellock said the goal was, I think Dylan Carlson gets you a much better pitcher. And here in just a second, I'm again, I'm going to talk about some of the returns that some of these teams have already gotten for rental uh, player, rental pitchers that they've given away. And if that's what the market's going to be like, then the that's what if that's what the market's going to be like, then the Cardinals need to at least think about trading just about anybody they can. And so I'm just going to get right into it. So the first trade I'm going to talk about is I'm not going to go over the specific players of of it doesn't really matter, but the Rockies traded the Atlanta Braves a reliever, right? He is a 5.8 ERA. He's not been very effective. I mean, he does have 13 saves, so he's been somewhat effective, but effectively wild, right? He has a 20% walk rate. He walks the world, but what he does have is elite strikeout numbers. But a 5.8 ERA reliever to the Braves, the Braves had to give up their number 10 and their number 26 prospect for that. Let that sink in for a little bit. That's how good the market is for rental pitchers right now. And then the other one is the Chicago White Sox traded Lucas Giolito, who's their, you could say, number two starter, number three starter. He He's good. He has like a 3-8 ERA. He's not an ace, but he's, you know, a middle-of-the-pack reliever. Uh, I'm sorry, starter. And then they also trade a reliever who was set to hit free agency as well. So two pitchers to the Los Angeles Angels, both of whom are rentals, right? They're both free free agents after the season. So you're getting two months of each player until they're a free agent. The Los Angeles Angels traded their number two and their number three prospect for that. That is an absolute haul for two rentals. Now, let's say both pitchers had another year of control or something like that. They were signed through 2024 next year. Then that makes a little more sense because you're buying years of control. But you traded your number two and your number three prospect in your system for two rental pitchers. That's how that's how favorable the market is for these selling teams. And so the Cardinals need to look at those trades. And, and, and that's a good window to what they could get back if they decided to trade all these guys. You're looking at Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, Chris Stratton. Yeah, they're all rentals. But look at what these other rentals are getting us. Jordan Montgomery is going to get a haul. He's top five in the National League in ERA. He's a 3.14 ERA. He's going to get a haul. Jack Flaherty, maybe not as much, but he's younger. I think Jack Flaherty at his peak is better than Jordan Montgomery at his peak, but Jordan Montgomery is more consistent. So that's when I when I talk about Jordan Hicks being a good extension candidate for next year, again, I don't hate that. I'm fine with him being an extension candidate for next year. I would love Jordan Hicks to retire a Cardinal and be a dominant Cardinal reliever for the next decade. That's fine with me. You can't teach 102, you know, but you look at what these other relievers are getting these teams and you at least have to think about it. If somebody's going to overpay for Jordan Hicks, you just got to go with it. I think you can just see what he's going to get you. So again, same thing with, with Dylan Carlson. 
I don't want to see Dylan Carlson, Dylan Carlson traded, but Cardinals management has made it very clear that he is their fourth outfielder. He's not going to start. Jordan Walker is going to start. Newbar's going to start. Tyler O'Neill is going to start. So if you're not going to play Dylan Carlson, he's 24. Sure, his peak, you know, he his uh, trade value is maybe not the highest it's ever been in his career, but he has three years of control, can play a gold glove defense, switch hitter. You know, a team would overpay for that. So you got to look at that. And then you have to look at Tommy Edmond. I know my grandma, Grammy's listening to this. She's a, the biggest Tommy Edmond fan I've ever met in my entire life. Um, but you have to look at trading him as well because he has four defensive runs saved in center field this year, which defensive runs saved. Again, there's no good metric to measure defense, like advanced stat. Um, but Tommy Edmond passes the eye test, right? And he passes the advanced metric test. He is in, in about the equivalent equivalent of a 10th of a season of innings in center field, right? He only played center field for like two, three weeks. He had four outs above average. There's players that play center field for 600 innings, or I'm sorry, 900 plus innings and don't have that many defensive runs saved in center field. And he did it in three weeks. He's a gold glover at second base and he's an above average defender at shortstop. You put him at third. He's fine there. You put him in left. He's fine there. You put him in right. He's fine there. Hell, you can put him at first and he'll figure it out. Tommy Edmonds, not great offensively, but you're paying for the best base runner in the major league last year, 30 stolen bases, gold glove defense, no matter where you put him. And he has two more years of control after this. And let's say Tommy Edmond gets traded. You have Mason Wynn, who's tearing the living hell out of the ball in AAA. He's going to come up probably in September. If not next year, why not? We're not making the playoffs. Bring him up in September. See what he can do. If he sucks, that's fine. Start him in AAA again next year. He's about as ready as he's going to be. Let's say we trade Paul DeYoung. Fine. Brennan Donovan can play shortstop. It's uh, I, I think it's something they need to consider because you can put Nolan Gorman at second base and then that frees up the DH spot for Wilson Contreras. Ivan Herrera hitting the hitting, lit, ugh, hitting the living hell out of the ball in AAA as well. So our lineup is still very versatile even without Dylan Carlson and Tommy Edmond. So I think you need, again, the returns that some of these teams are getting are huge. You at least need to listen in on every single player, I think. They've made it very clear that Nolan Arnado, Goldschmidt, Newt Barr, Walker, Gorman, and Brendan Donovan are untouchable. And I agree, those six players are your future. Build around it. But other than that, I think every player is on uh can be can be traded. I even Wilson Gutierrez. I yeah, sure, we signed him to a five year deal, but he's the hottest hitter in the major leagues in the month of July. Overall, he's still almost a two-win player so far this year. So you average that out the rest of the season. He's a three-win player. He's probably a top-ten catcher in the league, statistics-wise. And he was terrible the first two months of the season. That's how good he's been in the month of June and July. So, sure, someone's going to take Wilson Gutierrez from you. That's fine. (laughs) You know, I don't necessarily agree with that, but who cares? We're not playing for this year. And I think Ivan Herrera is, is doing just fine for next year. I doubt that that happens. But something's going to give, right? If you're if you're not going to trade Wilson Contreras, then dangle Ivan Herrera out there for a lot of other teams. They would trade a lot of pitching for that. He's one of the best up-and-coming catching prospects in the game. He's, again, tearing, tearing the hell out of the ball in AAA. So we have some options. I just I have a gut feeling the Cardinals are not going to do a ton this trade deadline. There's already talks about extending, you know, Flaherty. Again, it's it's not true. 
but I just, I just have a bad feeling about this deadline. I feel like something would have happened by now if, if you know, the Cardinals typically trade earlier in the trade deadline than wait until the 31st of July to do it. Um, but I'm not going to not gonna do too much negative thoughts just yet. But I just I don't think they're going to do as much as I'm wanting them to. You could still trade four, five, six players and still be very competitive next year, depending on what kind of return you get. Because we have money coming off the books, too. You have Wainwright seventeen and a half million. You have Paul DeYoung's ten million. You have you know you have other you have other bits of money coming off for next year. Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, they're all making close to you know eight to ten million somewhere in that range. They're free agents. They're leaving. So, you know we have money coming off the books. I think we have money to sign a big starter in the offseason. But right now, Michaelis, Mats, and then you got three place fillers at the back end of your rotation there. So we're in a really bad spot rotation wise for next year. So they got some work to do. They got four or five days to figure it out. I'm eager to see kind of what they do with it. Um, but yeah, that's essentially the trade deadline kind of recap there again, five days out. Nothing's happened yet. I did see today that the LA times released an article that Nolan Arenado is willing to waive his no trade clause to go to the Dodgers. Um, I don't believe it. I think newspapers will release just about anything right now to, to stay relevant and get some clicks and get a headline. I just, I don't see that being true. If it is, I will tip my cap. Um, but if Nolan Arenado is going to get traded to the Dodgers, we're going to get an absolute haul because he is signed through 2027. So you got four years of, of peak Nolan Arenado. And if you're going to do that, you might as well trade Goldschmidt too. I mean, just send them both out and just hit restart on the Cardinals roster. So I don't believe it. Again, they're going to build around those six players that I named earlier, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Jordan Walker, Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Newt Barr. Those are their six core players. You have Helsley, Gallegos, Mats, Michaelis, you know, signed through next year. The pitching is kind of in shambles. I think you focus on that. And our position player pool is deep enough that we could go into next year with nobody but who we already have right now position player-wise, and we would still be a top 10 offense in the league. So, it, you know, I have faith that the Cardinals would do the right thing, but we will see. We will see. So that's about it for the trade deadline. Next, I'm going to talk about just kind of who's hot and who's not. But again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because our games, I don't want to say they don't matter, but they kind of don't matter, right? We have less than a 5% chance of making the playoffs. So again, anything can happen. The Cardinals have shown that more than anyone, but um, I just don't believe it unless we go on like a eight game winning streak or something like that. We'll uh, We'll see how it goes. But I already talked about him a little bit. Wilson Contreras is the hottest hitter in Major League Baseball right now. He has like a 250 WRC plus, which means he's 150% better than the average Major League Baseball player right now. He's hitting the cover off the ball. Next up is Lars Newtbar. He's been on fire since July 1st. So, you know, those two players at the top of your lineup. Nolan Arenado was our only all-star. He's been hitting the cover off the ball. Goldschmidt is taking a step back, but still is going to finish with an above average offensive season. Brendan Donovan has been incredible, but I want to talk about Brendan Donovan a little bit because he actually has a tear in his flexor strain of his right forearm. Typically that requires surgery in a pitcher. It would be a death sentence. Usually that equates with a torn UCL, which means Tommy John, if he's a pitcher, luckily he's a second baseman. So they can just shove him in the DH role, which is good, except our DH role needs to be filled by Gorman and Wilson Contreras and all these other players. So you're putting one of our most versatile and best defenders in a DH spot, it just really hinders what you can do with the lineup and the middle infield in general, because Tommy Edmonds also on the DL. Um, you know, Paul DeYoung has started 13 straight games at shortstop. He's off tonight, 
which leaves our shortstop options for, as Taylor Motter. So Taylor Motter is starting at shortstop tonight. So uh, we really need to get some of these, some of, some of our infielders back. But Brendan Donovan potentially only being able to DH the rest of the year does throw a wrinkle into some plans. But again, if we were playoff bound, um, I'd be more concerned, but we can work around it. No big deal. Brendan Donovan, our entire lineup is really hot, actually. Steven Matz has been incredible. He's been incredible at the ERA under two, his last like 20 innings. He's been he's been great. Jordan Montgomery's been incredible. Jordan Hicks has been incredible. Jojo Romero has been pretty good. So, you know, overall, our last like 20 games, we're playing or 30 games, we're playing pretty well. We're like 18 and 11, 18 and 12, something like that. Um, it needs to continue. <laughs> I think, you know, even if we don't make the playoffs, I think you want to end the season on a really strong note to go into 2024, you know, positively, at least as positive as you can. Um, if you're not going to have games to root for in September and meaningful games with the playoffs approaching, you at least want your players to end the season on a hot note. You know, you don't want to stumble in September in the off season on a sour note. It, it, it just kind of sours things for, for March of 2024. You know, you want a smooth transition into next year, which it seems like the Cardinals are already focused on next year with some of the, some of the things that they said, some of the articles and, some of the trades and things like that, that that we're predicting and some of the players that will be leaving. So I just want to end on talking about just kind of what we have coming up. So, so tonight we start a four game series against the Cubs that will get us all the way to August 1st. We play today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have an off day Monday and that's August 1st. That's the trade deadline. So the Cubs are actually in an interesting position as well. They are kind of right in the middle. They're obviously above us in the standing. So they're closer to playoff contention than we are but they're under 500. They're, they're in a really sticky situation. They've won four games in a row. So I think if they, if they sweep us or take three of four from us, they're in a position where they might not sell. They, a couple of their best players, Marcus Stroman, Cody Bellinger, they're having huge resurgent years. They're both free agents at the end of the year. They could get huge prospect returns for both of those players. But again, if they sweep us or take three of four from us, that, you know, that's maybe six, seven games in a row that they're winning. They're much closer to playoff contention. The good thing for them is we're struggling. The San Diego Padres are struggling. The New York Mets are struggling. Those are three teams that, you know, I think most everybody in baseball had penciled into the playoffs at the beginning of the year. And none of us are going to make the playoffs. The Diamondbacks are really struggling. The Marlins are really struggling. So the wild card in the NL is kind of wide open. You know, even the Cardinals, as bad as we are, we're only eight or nine games out of the wild card, which is a lot, but not as much as it could be if some of these other teams are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So the Cubs are in a weird spot. I think, again, we pl we're we playing the next four games, and we could see them add or subtract. I think the Cubs are going to be a pretty active team at the deadline. So it's kind of fun that we're playing them, and we'll be able to see the direct you know results of that. So we're playing the Cubs the next four games, and then you have the trade deadline August 1st. And then after that, obviously, August 2nd starts the month of August. We're only we only have nine games the entire month of August. We have 24 games the month of August. We only have nine of which are above are with teams above 500. So overall, a fairly easy month. Um, again, a really nice chance to capitalize on a on a weaker second half that we could end the season on a strong note with a miraculous chance to maybe try to make the playoffs. I don't see it. If not, just end the season on a strong note. So so other than that, I think that's all I needed to talk about. Again. I'm going to have a really long episode on the off day uh, coming up on Monday because and I'm going to record it Monday evening because that'll be after the trade deadline is over. So I'm going to talk about everything and all things trade deadline and I'll have actual trades to talk about instead of just kind of hypotheticals and who we might trade. And um, 
But after that, I'll know for sure what the Cardinals roster is going to look like and things like that. So I'll do a lineup prediction and I'll do kind of what the rotation may look like the rest of the year and uh, things like that. It'll, it'll be a, it'll be a nice episode, but today just kind of talking hypothetical who may get traded the articles that have come out the last week or two. So I hope you all enjoyed Um, again. Sorry if I sound a little stuffy, it's just kind of how it is at the moment, but um, I'm excited to keep making these again. If anything I can change, let me know. Don't forget to hit the plus or the like button on Spotify or Apple, just whichever one you're listening on to follow the podcast. It lets me know who's watching and, you know, keeps my numbers high. Also lets you know whenever I post an episode. It also lets you know when I post an episode. So that way you get a notification right to your phone. It's easy to listen to. Um, As always, any tweaks I can make to the episode, please let me know. Uh, As always, have a good day and we'll see you next time.